damn Coach O, bitch. What up, Antelopians? It's Coach O, Coach Ed O'Geron, the LSU Tigers. And I'm just, uh, you know, real busy right now. We got to get new coordinators in there and everything. Uh, you know, lots of stuff going on. Got to interview people. And, them, uh, you know, them saying thing, oh, let me have that defensive coordinator yet. They, 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 they get contracts and stuff. But uh, speaking of the Saints, oh, you know, old Drew Brees, I mean, he, he been a great quarterback, uh, Coach O. He's going to miss him if he goes now. And, um, you know, I think it's time to go. I mean, he got them cracked, them ribs and all that stuff. And, and, and the collapse long. And he ain't got the arm strength. And uh, we're going to have cap issues and all that stuff, you know. The future of them Saints is going to be good, baby. I got a lot of trust and faith in that, uh, that, that Sean Payton and uh, Jeff Ireland and Mickey Loomis. I mean, they, they're good at player personnel. Uh, and they, uh, Mickey good with that cap, you know, that salary cap. That's all important now because of the business and all. And, uh you know, Coach O, I just want to say we we all been blessed to have such a great quarterback. And, uh, well, two, you know, we got Joe Burrow, too. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, all of them, uh, that, that show, that hello, that boy going to be talking about, uh, Jim O'Patton, I have no idea what he's talking about Patton for. But, uh, you know, I have a great, great guy, old blood and guts. You know, Coach O likes grit. And so I definitely like blood and guts, and that was a good nickname they had for Patton. And a really known thing is, uh, he would sit there by uh, President Wilson and then send General Pershing down to Laetis, Texas, out there by Big Bend National Park. Real, real pretty part of the country, baby. They got that, that Chihuahua Desert with the mountains and the Rio Grande. They got they got forest up there way up in the mountains, and they got, like, desert and badlands. It's beautiful, baby. And that night, you see stars, I mean, and Milky Way and all. But anyway, there was uh, Pancho Villa at the, at the time. I, originally, they, they had no problem with Villa, but then he started raiding. He did that raid in New Mexico. And uh, them boys was like, we got to go get him. And they sent General, General Pershing was down there in Lajitas, which is a beautiful border town down there, baby, on the uh, next kind of near Oinaga, Chihuahua, Mexico. And um, they, well, Patton went in there with a Model T with a machine gun, baby, going after, uh, you know, going after Pancho Villa. He didn't get him, but... Uh, it was the first time that they had a mechanized use mechanized vehicle with a machine gun on it, baby. And uh, anyway, I have a little known fact about him, but Coach O is right here, baby. We're going to have a good year. We're going to have some good sports going on, a lot, a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, don't worry about the chaos and the craziness, baby. Everything's going to get better because I'm Coach O, bitch. Go Tigers. Welcome to the Sports Antelope, episode number 32. Two great generals, two bad endings. We talked about General Patton as Coach Ed Ogeron insinuated. Thanks for jumping on, Coach. That was a nice rip in the beginning. Nice little tidbits of history, historical information, too. We appreciate that. You're a lot smarter than people give you credit for. We'll also be comparing that to a little bit of just Drew Brees. This is not a Saints podcast, but we have to talk about what we just saw. We have a new bit called The Onion Ring with a very woke character. Uh, he comments a lot on our Instagram page. We're going to bring him on. He went to Columbia. His name is Bro Exotic, B-R-E-A-U-X. Bro Exotic. This should be interesting. He's super woke, very opinionated. That's a quick five-minute rip. The Onion Ring, right before White Bitch of the Week. And then I don't think L.A. Burns can make it. We're recording this way too late. We'll see if he can jump in. I'm stuck in Birmingham. 
There's nobody outside. It's ridiculous. It's almost like an apocalypse. Just halted construction everywhere. All the restaurants are closed. There's a college in downtown. I haven't seen three kids. Ridiculous. And then batting cleanup is Tommy Bench, I'm sure. He'll be getting into some Hunter Biden issues, COVID inauguration, things of that nature. So normal show today. We're just adding, adding a bit to be a quick one. This guy, Bro Exotic, is pretty interesting. I, I think you'll, you'll grow to like him. Um, again, very opinionated, super woke, but he fits right in uh, to what we're trying to do here with the Instagram page is he, like I said, seems to comment a lot on the photos. Sometimes he doesn't think they're real. Well, that's just absurd. They're all real. Be sure and follow us at the Sports Antelope. We've been really getting some steam with these photographs we've been taking. Uh, we seem to be having a lot of the, the, uh, the faithful sending us pictures as well, which we post. And obviously all of them are real at the Sports Antelope. Be sure to follow us there and rate, subscribe, and review. We could use that as well. I always like the forward momentum. So let's talk about it. Before we get into the base of the show, let's talk some quick football. So last week, uh, 0 for 4, just par for the course. Let's start with the Bills, Ravens, Ravens plus 3. Well, it's 10 to 3, late third. Lamar has them in a position to tie the game and inexplicably throws a 101-yard pick six. It's certainly uh, par for the course for Lamar in the playoffs as he has just been dreadful, and I'm not sure you can hang your hat on the former MVP being as where in the playoffs he looks like he's never played football before. Lamar seems to be really good versus bad teams. Like when the Ravens are playing the Bengals, he'll go off. But, man, he had the same problem in college. In, all of, in the bowl game versus LSU, uh, in, the, in that other bowl game versus Mississippi State, both times versus Clemson, I don't know, he just never – when he has to show up, I just – I don't think he shows up, and this is remaining to be evident, regardless of how you feel about him. Uh, and then, as I'm sitting there, isolated in my room with the COVID, that was a great week. We have Green Bay playing the Rams, and of course, everyone and your mother has Green Bay, and they easily win, of course, Aaron Rodgers, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we all know what happened in these other games. <laughs> Pittsburgh just... Hands the ball over to Cleveland four times in the first quarter, 28 points. It's like, what is going on? And then Kansas City up 19-3. to About <coughs> to run away with this game. And they didn't. Mahomes runs the option on third and inches. You saw what happened. Gets put in a headlock. Gets knocked out of the game. Knees get wobbly. Offensive line has to peel him off the ground. Hold him up like a banana. And, uh, yeah, that was just it. I mean, 0 for 4. Public rolled. Everybody had Green Bay, I can tell you that now. Everybody had Buffalo, I can tell you that now. The other game was a little split, but there is not one bigger public dog last week than the Browns, and I'll bet against them every week. But I don't know. If you took the Browns, I mean, good. Got the win. This week, I don't really know what to even say about these games. I mean, the Chiefs open up at one, and that was before we even know if the Chiefs open up laying one, or minus one, if you will. And that's before we even know if Mahomie was going to pass the concussion protocol. So that's interesting. So they open up one of the short, shortest favorites I've ever seen for Kansas City. And then we still don't know if Mahomes is out, and, and it gets bet up to three. So I think what happened there is I was, I was asked about this, like I'm some expert on pro or anything or an expert on anything, but I think some sharps, just regardless if Mahomes was playing or not, or maybe they knew he was going to play, I don't know, just thought that even with Henny at quarterback, getting the Chiefs at one just reeked of value, which I tend to agree. I'm not saying that's the move, but I can see where they're coming from, particularly if Reed has a week 
to get the Wiley veteran, 15, 14-year veteran, Henny, prepared to play a very good football team in Buffalo. Although Buffalo, albeit, probably shouldn't have got out of the first round if you watched that Colts game. You would know what I'm talking about. Actually, actually, was I in Colts? Oh, we had the Colts they covered. Yeah, that was the next week. <laughs> I'm forgetting if I had COVID then. I don't even know. It all just it all just blends in. It's just kind of tough to tough to follow it all. Anyway, so oh, yeah, it was just a mess. Just an absolute mess. And speaking of a mess, there wasn't any bigger mess than how Patton, General S. Patton, George S. Patton, was treated kind of on the way out. And I'm not going to get into a big thing on him you know this isn't a history podcast by any means although we do have a lot of that thrown in here I mean, you can go read about it i don't need to tell you anything there's nothing i can say here nothing insightful that you will not read in any, anywhere you go but i'll give you a quick one so this dude was born in the 1800s for a long time ago but a graduate of west point uh and a genius Patton's iq uh, i've heard it as high as 145 and some people say that's a lie i would not argue that it was around 150. In order to be really good in the arts of war, which he most certainly was, he had to be super good at chess as well. Most of these guys are. He was great at chess, which there's no one that's great at chess that isn't really smart. Because in order to be good at chess, as we discussed a couple years ago in regards to Bobby Fischer, you have to be about six, seven, eight moves ahead of your opponent. Fisher was 10 to 12. It's just absurd. And so is General Patton, whether that be his excursion in North Africa uh, his European tour in World War II, or excuse me, World War I, uh, and then, you know, any other excursion he had, even in the military games, he was undefeated. So what made this guy so good is he's just a super ridiculous hard worker. And as much as that it sounds cliche, he was the first one there, last one to leave, always had a book in his hand, and understood precedent from historical battles all the way back to Mesopotamia, all the way back to the beginning of time, or even the Bible, I don't know. But he certainly understood uh, how to position his men and how to mix men with tanks and how to mix tanks with men and really kind of was ahead of the game in the evolution of modern warfare, which made him not just a, uh, I won't say a suitable opponent, but just a superior opponent altogether. He did not know loss too often, was also very, very proud to be an American. Well, imagine that. And kept the troops with a constant high morale, very good public speaker, just a very, very smart guy. No matter what he did or where he went, he basically saw victory and success. A very egotistical driven man, but guess what? In order to be one of these five-star generals, you can't be some, some cuck. Now today, they're probably all cucks, but back then, absolutely not. Do you remember one guy, even in the movie, they got this one right. He asked him, hey, what's wrong with you, son? He goes, I don't know, man. It's just my nerves. And then Patton proceeds to slap the shit out of him. And uh, just beat the nerves right out of him. And good for him. You did that these days? Oh, you get, you get court-martialed. You might go to Guantanamo Bay, matter of fact, if you're a general and you pull that stunt. You probably have to sit down and talk to him about his feelings. Oh. Anyway, Patton had one big flaw, though, and it wasn't quite so much his ego. It was his opinion. And his opinion inevitably would get him in trouble. This is very similar to what we just saw with Drew Brees, even though both of them were right. So we'll, we'll cut this real quick. Patton, at the end of his career, was not really getting along with Eisenhower. Eisenhower 
Tommy Bench and I were talking about it, as a president, may have had, at the time, the most power you would ever have as a president, given what was going on in the world. <coughs> COVID. Stop saying COVID after you cough. I can't. It's like when I throw something in the trash can and say, Kobe. It just happens. So what happened was, in short, is Patton was basically telling Eisenhower, look, chief, we can't be friends with Russia. This dude's Stalin, he's fronting, and you need to stop it. You need to, <laughs> we need to be thinking of them as an enemy, not as a friend. And like I said in chess, he was well ahead of not, in this case, of his opponent. But even though he wasn't at war with Russia, he was basically at war with the president of the United States, Eisenhower, telling him to wake up. He should have slapped the shit out of him, as a matter of fact. Well, I mean, Eisenhower did not like this, and Patton was basically removed from command. Ingloriously, that's not really how it happened, but yes, just come on, yes it is. And he died over there in 45, and he died in Germany. How piss poor is that? But at the end of the day, his record, although we remember how great he was as a general, and didn't even know he had a huge... One person said he had the... I forgot who it was, one of these historians. He had the biggest ego of any general. Incorrect. That would be General MacArthur. Who got into it with Truman <laughs> about China? China. Uh, he also said we shouldn't be friends with China. He was right. <laughs> and then they, he removed him from office and he came back home to a basically a parade. People love that guy, but his ego was massive, even bigger than even bigger than Patton's. But people only remember it. I feel like they only remember the end. They don't remember everything that got you there. They just remember the end. They just remember the last play of the game. I just remember the last play of your career or the last stupid thing you did which the, with the Trumpster at a pretty good pretty good run, but record-breaking. That's, that's not up for debate as far as unemployment, uh, the economy, uh, and, and even, diplomat, even foreign policy. I'm sorry. Just too many, too many things going in the right direction. And then COVID and then, you know, all what happened from there. And then he did not handle the last few weeks well at all. Uh, kind of didn't look uh, – not a good look in the debates with all the constant interrupting and such. But uh, we, we don't remember those three years and just how unemployment was down to almost, what, 3.5%. And basically most of the country was thriving as manufacturing jobs came back to the United States. Oil and gas started thriving. And let me tell you something. You guys, you voted for Biden. That's fine. But let me tell you, oil and gas is about to get crippled. And that doesn't just start with that pipeline. This starts with a lot of different things. And that Green New Deal is there to destroy oil and gas, one of the biggest employers we have in this country. And when oil and gas suffers, everything suffers. Because oil and gas, they spend money. Their people spend money. All the way down to the, head, the guys turning wrenches on rigs. When they get off, they spend money. They go to hotels. They go to casinos. They go to restaurants. They spend. They put into the economy. It's massive. Restaurants suffer greatly. Hotels suffer immensely. Even airlines. All of it. And then the gas prices. You'll see. Oh, no. You'll see. You wanted the nice guy. You got him, even though he's... Pedophile, whatever. Anyway, sorry, coach. I had to go there. My bad. But at the same time, we're only going to remember what happened at the end, and it was an inglorious ending. I will agree. And Drew Brees' career, I will tell you, his initials, DB, they actually stand for douchebag. Now, I know people are going to say, huh? Brees is a douche. All right. I have more stories of his douchebaggery than you can imagine. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to get into him. But too many strangers that don't know each other have told me too many similar stories, and too many friends I have that don't know each other have told me too many similar stories to where they're making this up. They're not. Um, he's really fake. If, I mean, just look at that speech he gave to Purdue in the locker room, how cheesy was that? 
you know, when he breaks a record, he makes sure the camera gets close to him. He holds up his son, Balin, and says, if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. Come on, shut. <coughs> Just save it. It's ridiculous. But anyway, although he's a douchebag, he's my douchebag. And a guy that doesn't like to play greens fees. Yeah, I said that. It's true. <laughs> That's the guys at the Metairie Country Club. Or English turn. Oops, sorry. But he's our douchebag. And he is a great guy. He's just fake on camera, but that's fun. I'm sure he's a great dad. He's a great husband. And he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all times. Tough guy. Breeze, constantly working. Constantly working. That dude looked at film all day. Cliche, yes. First one there, last one to leave. And he was, for all rights, a general. With those pregame speeches... Everything he did resembled that of an actual general. And he commanded the field accordingly. And for almost 15, 16, ah, right around 16 years, uh, 15 years, he displayed nothing but greatness. It was a couple seven and nine years, but typically the Saints were winning the NFC South. They just won four in a row. And typically the Saints were finding their way into the playoffs easily with double-digit wins. 13-3 and three multiple times, 12-4 and four in this last year. 11-5 and five a few times, but... The Saints were nearly a mainstay. The leader in completions, the leader in attempts, excuse me, yeah, leader in attempts, completions, accuracy, completion percentage, in other words, yards and touchdowns, he's got it all. Uh, it's ridiculous. Now, the only reason Tom Brady's sticking around is because he just wants to break all those records. He's right behind next year, and then he'll leave. He'll probably leave ingloriously, and he did not look good in that game either. He had 80 yards coming into the fourth quarter. So I'm not going to get into the Saints game. I'm still not over it because it was just so pathetic. Tampa's not that good. Okay, they're just not. Play a bum. I mean, the Saints are all hurt. Michael Thomas, no receptions. He can barely walk. You play the Redskins to get in. <coughs> COVID. So Tampa might get rolled by Green Bay. But it is sad, just like Patton, to see Breeze go out like this. So two years ago, he gets hurt. And as you know, Teddy Bridgewater comes in, runs the table. And Breeze comes back, and the Saints... Find their way in the playoffs again, win the division, and they lose to the Vikings again in overtime. I was at that game. Might be the last Saints game I ever go to, especially as long as the Saints are employing Malcolm X Jenkins, black supremacist safety. I'll never go to a Pelicans game as long as they're paying Stan Van Wokey, fat, white, uh, skin-loathing, white-hating coach of the Pelicans. So we all know what happened in the game. You saw it. But as much as Breeze is masked as... Stats is masked. It's almost like that's an afterthought over the summer. As you remember, said that he believes he should stand for the national anthem, and he said why. And you can listen to that 20 times and not once, even when you scrutinize every word. If you're a normal person, can you say, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, just go listen to it. And then within minutes, Cam Jordan, his own teammates, Marcus Colston, of all people. Colston's a nobody without Breeze and Peyton. And and Lattimore gets on him, particularly Malcolm X. Jenkins, the Saints' black supremacist safety, who spends more time on CNN than he does in the locker room. Probably so. I mean, at least it looks like it. Oh, he played really well down the stretch. He's the highest paid safety nearly in football, and he's 62 years old. Who cares? Boy, he must have pictures of him. He must have pictures of Loomis licking boys or something, because how do you give that four-year deal to a, 30, a safety in their mid-30s? Didn't you make this mistake with Roman Harper once or something when you brought him back? I don't know, whatever. We don't really learn from our mistakes in New Orleans, I guess. But what have you. He's, uh, he's the safety for a long time. So I'm not going to any Saints games for a long time. 
So as you know, Breeze was torched for that and had to come back and give this gut-wrenching, utterly ridiculous apology that was just, oh, God, it was just hard to stomach. And you know the rest. Uh, we didn't really have the controversy in the locker room that I thought, but you know, he gets hurt again. And it just didn't look good all year. I mean, it just didn't look good. And then in the playoff game that we all saw against Tampa, they bring in Jameis Winston to run a trick play to bomb the ball down the field because our all-pro Hall of Fame quarterback can't. And that was when I knew that the game might be over. Maybe I was like, maybe at the game, but there's no way we're going to beat Green Bay, especially in the wind out there. The guy can't throw the ball. You can press coverage. You can stack inside. He just doesn't have what he used to have. Which isn't the end of the world. I mean, it's just it's the end of an era, end of the season. Saints are still very talented. But my point is that both these guys, they're only going to be remembered for what they did at the end, at least hopefully not for Breeze. Patton certainly is only remembered for the end of his career for some reason, especially the way he's written up by some of these woke historians. I don't know what they're going to treat Drew Breeze in. I just know, although he's a douche, he's my douche, and I do love the guy. But I just know that he was but nothing short of incredible for so many years with only one one quarterback. Excuse me, one wide receiver. I'm sorry, the phone fell. That's not good. One wide receiver, one, uh, that went to a Pro Bowl, and that would be Michael Thomas. So all this time he's been doing this, and Jimmy Graham, but he was a tight end. But it's not like we had all this ludicrous offensive talent surrounding him. It was just a good offensive line, a solid run game with receivers that could get open, and he did the rest. And he did it spectacularly, uh, almost sometimes effortlessly. And it's a shame that we don't get to see that anymore, but it's definitely time that he goes. But I just hope that he's not remembered as Patton, just like he kind of got screwed by Eisenhower. Uh, Breeze was right in what he said about what he stood for and had to come back and give some stupid whatever apology. And the whole thing just sucked. And this season sucked, and he wasn't good at any point in any and really, at any point, was I comfortable with him at quarterback? I don't think many people that watch the Saints a lot are or were. But let's just hope that this guy's written up a little better than what the potential is. And I know you're rolling your eyes, but there is potential out there for him to be his his legacy. And his you know there is some potential for taint. And I think that that that's terrible. So anyway, I have no idea what's going to happen in the games this weekend. But if you put a gun to my head, I'd take the Chiefs laying the three. And then in the other game, I don't know how you don't take the Packers laying the three and a half. Even though, even though, uh, yes, uh, Tampa did roll Green Bay really good, as we remember that uh, earlier in the year. Rodgers usually just has one brain fart a year, one brain fart game, and that was it. But rest assured, that will not be happening again. He will not be throwing pick sixes, plural, let alone one. And you can bet that... They're not going to have the same ridiculous results as they did when they played out there a few months ago. So, anyway, uh, let's bring on. We'll do. Let's see. Yeah, let's bring on the Onion Ring. Then White Bitch of the Week, Tommy Bench. I don't think LA Burns is going to make it, but we'll be sure and have him on next week, and then we'll give it a wrap. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic, joining the Sports Antelope, Bro Exotic, uh, very interesting guy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself 
so the audience knows who they are dealing with. Absolutely, bro. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Belts, for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm bro. Sure. I'm uh, bro exotic. Um, I recently graduated from Columbia. Started uh, the newest frat there called New Epsilon Theta Omega Omega, which spells out Me Too. Um, just really wanted to make the girls feel safe on campus, knowing that they had a Me Too frat out there. Um, I majored in Stick. obscure uh, gender studies with a minor in pansexual dance theory. Um, and I currently work for an organization called Cat Shit. We're the uh, coalition against terrible cisgender hateful ideologies on Twitter. And uh, we're basically just like uh, the, the militia on Twitter against the uh, cisgender agenda. Wow. Okay, that's a that was a mouthful. Well, you're certainly uh, this certainly adds to the eclectic cast that we have. Glad to have you on, Bro Exotic. You, bro. I know that you're a fan of our Instagram page, and you've been questioning some of the pictures that are sent to us from our audience. Um, we can start with the one if you you know again. I know I preach this a lot. Be sure and follow us at the Sports and Load on Instagram for some amazing satire. But some of these pictures I think are real. So let's talk about the one recently where Trump pardons Lil Wayne. We clearly have a picture. And then Trump clearly pardons Patrick Mahomes' concussion. Now, I was not under the not on the understanding here on the onion ring, uh, even on the onion ring, that you can pardon a concussion. I don't think that's Well, possible. you know, through my, uh, my studies at Columbia, like just knowing like how people want to identify each other uh, based on gender, I think that it also translates to the NFL. So like – most times when you have a quarterback who gets a concussion, you know, they cater to the rules, they follow the rules, you know, they take some time off to get better. But, you know, if Patrick Mahomes, if he doesn't want to identify as a concussed quarterback, it, he doesn't have to. And, you know, I think that Trump is just a real, like, civil rights pioneer and uh, standing up to the NFL and sticking up for those who don't want to acknowledge that their brain rattled around their skull like a pinball. I mean, if it's it's – you know, it's all up to Patrick Mahomes. If he doesn't want to identify as a concussed quarterback, he doesn't have to, bro. So you don't make him do it. If, if I get AIDS, do I have to identify as having AIDS? I don't quite understand. Well, that's your prerogative, bro. I works. mean, you can't have the. Uh, wow. You, you can't have you know big meds. What about if I don't identify as having coronavirus? I, I mean, again, right. again, bro. I mean, like, I, I don't think I quite uh, like that idea, bro. Because I mean. Pretty dangerous, of but right. oh, but about the AIDS thing, if you yes. if you don't want to have AIDS, you can just say it. You don't have to identify it, you know. All right, so Trump does pardon the concussion. We can go ahead and move on from yeah. there. Uh, looks like what's that GM of the uh, Mets? Jared Porter, yeah, douchebag, bro. Porter. So there's a picture on there of him holding a giant hot dog on our Instagram yeah, page, and I mean, not his dick. Right. So, I mean, but wait, but bro, bro, exotic. It does appear they may have to subpoena his peanut. If you really want to get down and dirty on what we need to do here. I, I totally understand that. But if, if you really do just look at that picture closely, like he's clearly, like he said, he's not holding his own penis. But he, it looks like, you know, if you really analyze it, he is holding Clifford the Big Red Dog's penis. And now we're past sexual assault. Oh, now we're talking about animal abuse because, like, it, it, comparatively, like Michael Vick may have <laughs> orchestrated dog fights, but at least he's not like – Shake waiting his pit bulls red rocket. I mean, it's it, they're totally different things. This guy's in a win world of trouble. I mean, then that picture's pretty damning. How woke are you? <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes my like my, my closest friends will tell me I'm so woke, like I've never been asleep, and it's really like endearing. But yeah, you seem you seem super woke here, bro. Exotic. It. 
Columbia University, uh, the whole kit and caboodle. Hey, your uh, Obama went there. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm sure that's probably why. Yeah, you man. Went we there. don't even call it our alma mater. We call it our, our Obama mater. Oh, got it, got it. And then for the last Instagram post here on the Onion Ring, uh, I saw that in the alleged insurrection, there's a picture on the sports and on Instagram page of LeBron James actually being right there in the insurrection while he had a basketball game that day. Somehow he did both. I'm not sure if he has a time machine. I'm not sure if he's a wizard. But I have a major problem with LeBron uh, inciting the riots. Maybe he's a Trump guy the whole time. Is that possible? It might be. Well, it really is. And to really pigeonhole him just because he's been outspoken about how much he hates Trump this whole time, to, to think that he can't change his mind is so crazy. I mean, let's, talk, let's think about Kanye. Like Kanye, years ago, was on you know, TV with Austin Powers, and he's talking about how George Bush hates black people. And then a decade later, he and Kim Kardashian are in the White House with President Trump talking about prison reform. So who's to say that no one can really turn a leaf that quickly? I think it's really wrong to pigeonhole a black man like that and to tell him that he can't have his own opinions. So is it uh, ridiculous that I call him a hypocrite for bashing the president and supporting him in the alleged insurrection or the coup? As Michael Scott would say. I actually say. think it's really wrong of you because LeBron doesn't identify as a hypocrite. So you might want to check your privilege there. I'm going to check that privilege and I'm going to have to check this time because we are done for the first round of the onion ring. Bro Exotic, thanks for jumping on. Be sure and be keep following us on Instagram. I mean, you seem to have a lot of opinions on the pictures we have. We look forward to having you on next week, man. Keep it Appreciate it, Belt. Later. Later. There's just so much to choose from. I don't even really know where to go. But I will tell you, as Clay Travis and Dan Levitard get into this constant war, it seems like Clay Travis is the one that continues to win these battles and inevitably will win the war, particularly because Levitard has been deplatformed nearly by ESPN. They cut him off a lot harder than people think. Not even they could deal with his wokeness, uh, which is just really ridiculous if you think about it. Uh, and he really, 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 really spreads a lot of a really ridiculous. You talk about hate speech. Some of the stuff this guy says is off the wall. But if you didn't know, he's starting a new progressively sports program with Jamila Hill coming up here. Something crazy that no one's going to watch. So once again, we'll find out. They'll find out that no one wants to hear this. Uh, they don't. That's fine. But he did cross the line, though, recently by insinuating that Clay Travis also is a white supremacist. I don't know when this is going to stop. He's not a white supremacist. The 75 million people that voted for the Trumpster are not white supremacists. I can tell you that. Lived in nine states. Still haven't. Still have, still have not met one yet. Oh, that's because they live in secret, do they? I think I would have met one by now. But that's fine. Whatever. Anyhow, thanks a lot, Dan, because you are white bitch of the week. Where's Tommy Bench? Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on the sports end. You're especially going to like the new bit here, the onion ring with the guy called Bro Exotic. And he's so woke. That if he goes any farther to the left, he'll be to the right of Alex Jones. <laughs> and you will certainly uh, appreciate his commentary. He went to Columbia. Super woke. Uh, loves the Instagram page. It's, it's just going to be a great bit. I'm really looking forward to it. But speaking of bits, let's get into yours. Uh, segway, a weak one, yet still a segue. Uh, let's talk about three things. The inauguration, we'll talk about some COVID updates. But can we just start off with the fact that Joe Biden's son should probably be they should probably stick a tracking device in his asshole because this dude's going to be picking up more money he's going to be the new bag man man what's going on with this i i I actually have a theory on how we could pay off the national debt 
We will just make a deal oh. with Hunter Biden that he can go <laughs> get money from anyone he wants if he just remits 30% of it to the Treasury. And other than that, he has the green light to go pick up money from the worst actors on the planet. You want to get money from Kim Jong? Fine. You want to go to African warlords and, you know, who sell blood diamonds and blood platinum and cobalt? Wait, I hate to interrupt. Bench, is he still able to collect all that money from the Ukraine, however? Are we allowing that? Yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. What what does it matter? Let him go. You want to go to Maduro down there in Venezuela? Fine. Middle Eastern, you know, terrorists? I, I don't care. Have it all, Hunter. We keep 30-70. I feel like that's a pretty generous split. I'll bet you we'll start making a dent in the – because the only thing that kid has shown any adeptness <laughs> toward is running around picking up bags of cash when his father is in a position of power. Well, well, guess what? Ching, ching, ching. The father is in the ultimate position of power. And just, just let's let him do what he does. You do you, okay? Your talent is picking up cash from some of the world's worst actors. So – let Hunter be Hunter. Now, now, does that also, what about, uh, are we going to talk about, is there a limitation or a penalty on leaving crack pipes in national and enterprise rent-a-cars? No. It has to be some sort of like an over-under, like seven and a half. Well, well 5%. We, we won't penalize them, but we will allow Vegas to run odds on that. Um, you know, we'll see how many times in a given 12-month like period, it. Hunter Biden leaves drug paraphernalia in a rental car. We, we know it's, it's not going to push on zero. I mean, it's definitely going to be a positive number because, uh, frankly, the number has not been zero at any point in the past. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I ironically do remember, uh, you know, he, uh, he was thrown out of the Navy for doing drugs. Now, far be it from me. I once came close to eating a brownie that that was not that was a special brownie. But you saved me on that one. You, you pointed out. Uh, you, yes, you thought it was a wheat brownie. I, I, I was not sure. I just thought, That's because you helped me drive back from Colorado. From Colorado, one thirty hours. You, that was. That and what's was the first thing drive. you did is crack the Coors Light. Haven't seen you had a beer in three years. At that point, you were over it. And I, I had a shower beer. That was the first shower beer of my life. I remember taking a shower in your heterosexual uncle's apartment. That sounds kind of weird, but. But no, uh, right, moving yes, on. Yes, this yes. is really this has gone off the rails quite quite rapidly. That's okay. It All doesn't right. matter. This podcast is off the rail. Let's... But I'm going to check with some of my consigliaries in Nevada to see if there is a line indeed on um, Hunter Biden leaving drug paraphernalia in a rental car. I'm going to put it at minus. I'm going to put it at three and a half minus 120 on the over. We're going to lead towards it happening quarterly. Uh, we will see. Only time right. will tell. The only that's right. Only time will tell. Okay. So so let's let's. Let's get a little serious here. I, I like no, to use, let's not let's let's not. You're right. No, I'm actually not about to get serious, but I, I like to use movie reference points. You know, scenes or anecdotes from movies, especially if I know it's a a widely seen movie. So, you know, people. Oh, how did you feel today? How'd you? All right. Do you remember the scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Sean Connery and Harrison Ford are in that little two seater motorcycle setup. And, and, and Harrison Ford wants to just get out of Germany. And Sean Connery says, but Berlin is that way. And, and, and they argue back and forth. And Indiana Jones uses the Lord's name in vain. And Sean Connery slaps him across the face, rightfully so. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, 
And, and Sean Connery begins to give an eloquent speech and says, do you realize what will happen if Hitler gets his hands on a diary? The armies of darkness will, will rule over the earth for a thousand years. Okay, now, now I know what some people are thinking. Oh, come on, Bench. Are you saying that Joe Biden's like Hitler? No, no. Are you saying that it's the same as if Hitler got the Ark of the Covenant and the unlimited power? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, Right now, in fact, it already happened, thousands of very left-wing socialist people who, who are the activists and operatives in the Democrat Party who worked very hard to get Joe Biden to where he is, got sworn in for various uh, political posts. But, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before. If people well, don't can know, we talk about the transvestite in Pennsylvania? That the, well, but that's. But that's even higher profile than what I'm talking about. The, every president gets to gets to install with very little approval three to four thousand political appointees throughout various parts of the government, all through all woven all throughout the Pentagon and all the all the secretary cabinet level positions. Now you hear about the big ones like the Secretary of State and his confirmation hearing and blah blah. You'll hear and you'll hear about the one offs like yes the the transgender person shim from pennsylvania who was their department of health whatever um is is going to be some deputy undersecretary of the health and human services and and again it's those those are the people that worry me i I, joe biden's going to be largely ineffective from the standpoint he won't stop his party from being radical leftists but he won't be the one pushing it he's just he's really just going to be this ineffective kind of blob that'll go with the flow and if the flow is putting left-wing legislation on his desk he'll just pencil with it and move it right along so then he can get back to watching reruns of murder she wrote or whatever he's going to do all day because he's not <laughs> the actively governing let's let's just let's cut to the chase all right so so there's my you know armies of darkness will rule the earth forever comparison but i will say this this evening uh, i've recently joined a a political at county level political club uh and and was uh designated and and sworn in to be one of the members of the leadership of this club it's a small group it's a few dozen people it's small it's growing it's got a focus um that i'm just going to leave off to sounds to like someone in. so run that by me again belts no i said it sounds like this podcast small focus it's growing up. anyway go ahead small small focus and I'll say this as much, and this was a, a political group of Republicans, as much as everybody's like, oh, today's a rough day. The right mindset was. It sounds like a clan um, gathering, but let's hear it. Well, of course, of course, even though it was actually a pretty diverse group of people, surprisingly. No, 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 um, no, no way. And, and, and somebody made the point, and it reminded me of what the wrestling coach, and, and just again, to protect the names of the innocent, we'll just, we'll just say Mr. Smith, uh, you know, the wrestling coach <laughs> that I had in high school. He would always make the point that next season started the minute your last match of the next of the season you're in. So whether that's you won the state championship or whatever your final match was, the very next minute next season started. And, and that's what I heard at, at the little club meeting tonight is, look, we're, we're not going to lick our wounds and feel sorry for ourselves. We realize this is this is this is bad. And look, there were a lot of self-inflicted wounds that the Republicans and yes, Trump does bear some responsibility for that, for his conduct over the last three to four weeks. There were a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but you know what? 
politics is is it's a contact sport and you just need to get up and get on with it. And they made the point. I think of all these teams getting eliminated in the playoffs. They're not just sitting around waiting to see what happens next. They're actively doing things to position themselves better for next year. So interestingly, you know, people might not know it. The next round of elections you might be eligible to vote in are depending on your state and jurisdiction might be in May of this year. So in four or five months, primaries are going to begin for off-year elections that will occur in November of this Actually, year. Actually, uh, there's uh, going to be some in March for in um, special elections for uh, Congress Congress people. Actually, that's right. That's right. There are going to be a couple. Uh, that's right. The one in Louisiana, the guy who passed away, uh, and I believe his wife is going to run for that seat. So best of luck to her. Um, so 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 that's that's kind of my outlook on things. Uh, I I. I will not say I hope Joe Biden fails, because, of course, that'll be misinterpreted. I hope there are some people in the Democrat Party who at least believe that if they go too far to the left, they will jeopardize holding on to the House in 2022. There should be some of them with a fresh enough memory from 2010 to remember. Remember the last time we really went off the rails and went full whole hog left wing? That killed us in those midterms. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know because um, it just seems like the mouthpieces for the Democrat Party who get to shape the agenda are some of the most left leaning people uh, where in the Republican Party, there might be this perception that it's the hardcore conservatives who shape the agenda. They are so far so, and few between now. It's almost they, they are so far and few between. It's just they're not, you know, Ted Cruz. Look, he gets his licks in and can sometimes uh, shape things, but he is not the most influential Republican senator within the Republican caucus. It's 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 a complete misnomer if you think that. So, well, it starts with there was cuckle, and then right, right, exactly, it seeps down. I mean, look, I mean, Ted, you want to talk about Josh Hawley, one of the more right leaning senators um, in the country just had almost his door broken in by Antifa and 20 feet behind that is his two month infant daughter because they're angry about, can you imagine, can you imagine? And then the story was that, Oh, well, apparently he had a gun. It's like he had a gun. I guarantee you he had a couple guns. And guess what? If I'd have been in his house having lunch or dinner, I'd have been like, don't worry, Josh, I got your back. Give me that shot right there. I'm just going to close my eyes and blast. But the thing is, yeah. we don't talk about that. That's not a story. Because- no, we don't talk about that. I'll tell you what. If I were Josh Hawley, I might have been undoing the screws to the latches, holding that door on so that the slightest little knock would have knocked it open. And I would have been like, you broke in. Boom. Hasta luego. Sorry. Um, uh, we shouldn't. Uh, we're not advocating for violence. Let's issue that disclaimer before somebody gets carried away. But Oh, I am. Right, oh, I, no, I, you're not. Was- I am. I am. When you break <laughs> in someone's house. Especially when right. there's, an Abs- there's yes. going to be violence, and that's just right. that's just how it is. About period. Right. So now, I will say this: I, I I had to pat myself on the back this evening. I, I had a funny moment where somebody made the point of, "Look, we can we can work hard to get veterans, uh, you know, ele- into elected office, and we should support veterans who run for office." And there, and there was this whole bit, and somebody said, "If a 27 year old bartender can get elected to Congress, we surely can get a few veterans." And I just couldn't help it. I was like, you know what? She, I bet she sucked as a bartender. She was I bet she wasn't even good at mixing drinks. I'll be, you know what she was? She was the moderately cute bartender who thought if she just batted her eyelashes, you'd give her a big tip. But she sucked at actual bartending. Well, like, I doubt all, she could actually make a good drink. Bartending is the most underrated. Bartending, 
most bartenders are terrible, kind of like teachers. Right. Uh, and it's just it's just how it is. Government uh, employees in general. Yes, exactly. But uh, the ones that are great at their craft, it's and, uh, me as working in the industry for over a decade, uh, working with Boston Dan and some other people that can literally like work a crowd, talk to 10 people while they're shaking 10 drinks at one time, split 50 checks, keep ripping jokes. That is a very unique talent in itself. I guarantee you she's what we call a vodka soda Budweiser bartender, not the right. ones that are actually in here uh, multitasking. She can't even she can't even multitask in an interview when they're throwing her softballs, nay, cabbage balls. How the hell is right. she going to – bartending is a very difficult job. Um, no, I know. It itself. would wear me out. I, the idea of interacting with people for that long would be awful. Well, the only I reason mean. that I was bit at it was because I was around with the alcohol and drank it all. Well, certainly prohibited right. my ability to do my job. <laughs> but yes, was we you know Danny Belts likes the belts, does the Z. Um, um That's right. Uh, there's one more All thing right. I kind of wanted to talk. Is that is that it? Are we is there anything else? Uh, you want I, to I, I was gonna I was I was had some COVID points. Oh yes, yes, COVID, of course. It's been a little course, while. Of course. All right. So my question is when will the news media start sharing the good news about COVID? Ooh. And you might you might be thinking, whoa, whoa, bench, hold on. I heard Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC tell me that today was the deadliest day with daily death counts in the United States. You're correct. You are correct. According to the COVID tracking project, which is there's a few different uh, data aggregation sites. There's worldometers. The New York Times has. I just I've decided to stick with one. The COVID tracking project. It's run by the Atlantic. You know, that bastion of right wing thought. Oh, Um, yeah. They're so objective, bro. Right. But I'll say this, the, the, their data aggregation, their layouts, their charts, their maps, they, they do a pretty good job on the graphical interface of it. OK, so I'm sticking with that one. today. According to them, four thousand four hundred nine people died in the United States, by far the deadliest by by three or four hundred deadliest single day. However, however, in the past 10 days, the seven day case average, the seven day rolling average of new cases has been declining. It hit a peak on uh, January 11th, and it's been in decline since then. The hospitalization hit a peak on January 6th and has been on been in steady decline. The seven-day hospitalization average has been in decline since January 12th. So here's what I'm saying. A lot of things appear, and, and look, I've always said one week does not make a trend. You really need two or three weeks, but it is possible that we are at the beginning of a downward trend. I mean, it, it, we're getting to the point where you've got to say at a minimum, we're having a downward trend. Now, part of that could be, it looks like we did see an increase after Christmas and new years. I wouldn't say a surge, but we saw an increase from, from the baseline averages that were occurring before then. But since then, things really have been trending down. Uh, The case fatality rate continues to trend down. The positivity rate, is starting to trend down and and a very interesting statistic according to the covid tracking project 16 states have hospitalization rates that are falling which means they are falling by greater than 10 percent when you compare today versus seven days ago and 35 states are staying the same which means either they're decreasing by less than 10 percent or increasing by by less than 10 percent so they're kind of in that mid-range. Now, somebody might have just caught that and wait, said, wait, 16 plus 35 is 51, and Puerto Rico's not a state yet. Uh, the way they, they count Washington, D.C. as a jurisdiction. So maybe we should say jurisdiction. 
But interestingly, there are no states that are in the rising category on the COVID tracking project map for hospitalizations and rising counts as increasing by greater than 10% from same day, seven days ago. So, so what's all that say? I, I, it's possible we've turned the corner and we're, uh, we're beginning to see, because again, herd immunity is not the kind of thing where all of a sudden one day you achieve herd immunity that stops. What happens is the virus stops finding new hosts and so it's it's a slowdown and it's a, and a gradual. Then you kind of the curve starts to ease off a little bit and you kind of hit an asymptote where it bumbles around for a low level for a long time. So all of that to say we might be at the beginning of the end or it could just be another fake dip and we shoot up. But I again, I look to North Dakota. North Dakota has a case fatality or excuse me, a case per million rate confirmed case per million of one hundred twenty five thousand per million. So that means 12.5 out of 100 people have had it. And by the way, that that state full of Rove, Hick, redneck Trump supporting Republicans is like number two in the nation for vaccine distribution on a population adjusted basis. So I thought one of the Democrat states would be doing a good job. Oh, well, all of that to say, I'm I'm not sure that's the case. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All of that to say. Uh, three, four weeks ago, we talked about this that said, look, right around this late January time frame, I believed we were going to see a confluence of things come together. One, just natural infection leading to natural immunity, leading to a measure of natural herd immunity and the effects of the vaccine rollout. And, and I, I think we're starting to see that again. We'll check back in in two or three weeks to say, hey, we were right. And the trend is continuing down or. No, this that was just a temporary aberration and things are shooting back up. But I, I think we're we're starting to see the beginning of the end. That being said, I am very curious. How long will the media wait before they start reporting good information? Like, is it going to be tomorrow? They're going to say, well, yesterday was really bad. But, you know, hospitalizations are dropped. Like, when are they going to start with the good news? Like hospitalizations dropping, new cases dropping. Uh, positivity rates dropping, uh, case fatality. Because I'm going to say 3.5 business days, and the juice is on the under. 3.5 is tough because 3.5 takes us to the weekend, and we know business we know days, that business days. Right. Okay. Business days. So that so that early month, next week. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? I'll go with the under because here's why. Because Monday mornings the COVID numbers are always good because Sunday weekend the numbers always go down so the trend might look like it accelerated downward i'll I'll take the under on that as well i bet the early morning news stories on monday because they'll want to start saying his mask mandate and he was so brave and bold and he was boldly brave and his braveness was so bold and it was bravely bold of him to be so bold and brave i I just oh it'll be intolerable oh he's he's the the biggest cuck on the planet um i will i will say this before we got to wrap it up though uh real quick though can you give me that COVID number of deaths today? One more time. 4,400. How do we know that those weren't people that had COVID that committed suicide because he was getting sworn in? How do we not know that? Good, I, that, I, good possibility. I want to know. I kind of want to know if that's the case. Because if you, it is, are you saying, are you saying that you want the truth? Yeah, I want the truth. And I you can't, can't handle, handle the truth. You can't, you cannot handle the truth. 
Goddamn right I can. I never could. And that's why I started this self aggrandizing All right. Project. That's that's pretty much all I got for, for today's wisdom from the bench. But uh okay. looking forward to, you leave. to next week and more Instagram posts throughout the week. Thirty seconds, real quick. Before you leave, we're gonna have a thirty second gym etiquette thing real quick. Uh and I need you to just do this in thirty seconds. How do all you right. feel about a gallon of water jug guy at the water fountain, regardless of COVID? Where he fills up literally a gallon of water at the water fountain. I know the the answer is bring your own water, which people do now. But right. I witnessed this uh, recently post COVID, and it's the most ag- it on a on a scale of one to ten. How much does fill the whole gallon of water jug guy affect you with gym etiquette? It, it's a it's a That's, big one for me. It's it's almost as bad as the people who curl in the squat rack. Or actually, you know what got me the other day? The couple who come in and occupy two squat racks and she's doing a lot less than him. But it's like you're you're here together. Just adjust the weight and take up one squat rack. Like Lazy. What, what's going on? But the, the, the gallon at the water fountain, that's especially if there's it's a smaller gym and maybe there is only one water fountain. That's just that's so obnoxious. Bring your own water. Unbelievable. BYLW. I didn't do it because I'm trying to – I don't know why I didn't, but whatever. But we'll have Jim Etiquette things more as we go on. Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on the Sports Antelope. We'll have you on next week, of course, as we'll continue to follow um, uh, the crackhead that is the son of the president. It's just that simple. That's fact. Statement of fact. Full stop. All right. Good to be with you out here. Later. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope, episode number 32. Two great generals, two bad endings. Thanks for jumping on Tommy Bench, bro exotic. I'm sure we'll have LA Burns back on next week. He won't be recording as late. And although I will be in Florida, I will be more available to record earlier. Be sure and follow us at the Sports Antidote on Instagram, at the Sports Antidote. Rate, subscribe, and review. Keep it real, Anadotions. I got it, I got it, I got it.